Church. This is the family called the Port Church, and this is what we're about. We're about family, and we're about being real and authentic and sharing our hearts. So make sure you encourage Crystal after and let her know how good that was, and it's a good encouragement for all of us. Amen? Well, guess what? I love mowing lawns. I can come and do yours. Something I love doing at my home, at my home alone, I love mowing my lawn. Because when I mow my lawn, I get to have a quiet time. I get to put my headphones in my ears and I listen to worship music and no one can bother me. Now, it might be noisy for the neighbours and everyone else, but for me, it's a quiet space where I can just get alone with God and just spend time talking to God and worshipping and praying. And I have immaculate lawns. They're beautiful and wonderful. But um, the reality is I was mowing my lawn last Monday morning. And I was, as I was mowing, I, I was talking to God and praying. And at, at some point, I got to the point where I said, God, what do you want me to share to the people of the Port Church next week? when I preach next Sunday. And, um, and I'm just saying, God, what is it? We're doing this series called Keeping Company with God. And I said, where did you want us to go now? What's the next step in this, in this journey? And as I was praying and asking God that, something really weird happened. All of a sudden, the worship music in my headphones cut out. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Is God going to speak to me? Is something going to happen? And... Uh, and then I kept mowing, and then all of a sudden it cut back in. And I'm like, oh, okay, it must have just been a glitch, you know, like a glitch in the matrix, something like that. And, um, and so I just kept mowing, and I mowed again, walking up and down, mowing, and then it cut out again. And it did this about three or four times. It, it would cut out, and then it would come back in. I'm thinking, what on earth is going on? And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. Every time I got away a certain distance from our house, it would cut out. And then when I'd come back and get closer to our house, it would cut back in. And all of a sudden, I I realised that I was actually using our home Wi-Fi to listen to my music through Apple Music. Everyone use Apple Music here? And so I was using the home Wi-Fi to listen to the worship music. And every time I got out of the range of the Wi-Fi, it would drop out, and then I'd come back in, I'd get close to the Wi-Fi, and it would kick back in. And I was like, oh, that's what's going on. And it was in that moment, you know, when God speaks to you, I had one of those aha moments, revelation, and God said, that's what I want you to share with the people. Teach the people that if they're going to keep company with me, then they need to stay close to me. They need to stay within range of me, not get too far away that they can't hear me, but stay close enough that they're always tuned in. And the thought came into my head, it's a scientific principle that's, and I've shared this before here at church, is that error increases with distance. What that simply means is the further you're away, you're, the further you are away from your objective, the more likely you're going to miss your objective. So if I'm kicking a goal in football, if I'm 10 metres out or 5 metres out straight in front, I'm more likely going to kick that goal. But the further I'm back, if I'm 50 metres out, 
unless you're Tex Walker, I'm not likely to kick that goal. And uh, that's the reality, reality of it, that error increases with distance. And that's what it means for us with God as well. And I thought, how can I explain this even more for you? And I thought of a, a, an athlete that helps illustrate this really well. Anyone know Steph Curry? Young people, anyone know Steph Curry? No? No, one, no one's big on basketball here? Oh, up the back, Jethro? Gracie? Steph Curry is probably the greatest shooter basketball has seen. He's not the greatest basketballer. That's reserved for MJ, Michael Jordan. He is the greatest basketball that's ever lived. The GOAT. But, um, but Steph Curry is pretty well known as the greatest shooter there has been. He's the most accurate shooter they've ever had in basketball. And I, it's really interesting to look at his statistics here because at the bottom here, at, at this point, it says FT stands for free throw. Now, if you play basketball, you understand that a free throw is when you get fouled in the act of shooting, you get a chance to have a free throw, which means everyone else has to stand aside. You stand on the line about 15 feet from the basket and you get to shoot without any distractions. And for Steph Curry, he will hit that 90.3% of the time. That means nine out of ten times he shoots, he'll hit it. Now, I don't know about you, but I went down to the basketball rings a while back with Benito and we tried shooting from the free throw line and I think he got about three out of ten. I got about one out of ten. It's really hard. But this guy can hit it from that point, no problems, 15 feet out. But he is also the greatest three-point shooter. So this next stat, three-point field goal percentage, is what he does when he shoots for uh, three-pointers. So three-point, the line is actually about 25 foot from the basket. And it's a big arc. And if you shoot from that far out, you actually get an extra point. Normally it's two. He gets an, you get an extra point if you shoot a basket from there. You get three points. This guy has revolutionised the game of basketball because he is so accurate from the three-point line. And uh, it's changed the way basketball is played. But his, his percentage from the free throw line is 90.3%. But his percentage from further out, from 25 foot, is only 43.6%. Now, that's still pretty good. He's still shooting one out of two baskets, basically. But you can see there, error increases with distance. So the chance of him shooting or hitting the basket from, from um, the three-point line to the chances from the three-throw line is, is a lot less because he's further away and he's usually guarded at the same time. But the, the idea there is the closer he gets, the more accurate he gets. And that's the, the principle that I want us to look at tonight is that error, if error increases with distance, then my question to us is how do we stay close to God? How is it? If we need to stay close to God, then how do we do it? What do we do? Because I know, my, me personally, I want to stay close to God. I don't want to fall into error. I don't want to uh, treat my relationship with God flippantly and, and only have it as a part-time thing. I want, it, I want to be full-on for God. I want God to be, I want to be all-in for God. That's the way I want it to be. And when I was thinking about that, God dropped a thought into my head, and it's a very simple thought. Now, the older I get, the more simple I get. 
I get less complicated. I keep it simple. Less is more. They're my philosophies on life. Don't get too busy and and distracted by too many things. But the the simple thing is if I want to be close to God, then I need to find out where God is. Ponder that for a moment. It's very deep. That if you want to be close to God, you need to find out where God is and make that your objective. Make that where you will be. Now, I'll, I'll share an example of this. When I was a young boy, I was about 10 years of age, I had a crush on a girl in my class. And uh, she, was, uh, she was very pretty and I thought she was lovely. And so one day I decided to walk her home from school and with the objective of finding out where she lived. Now the reason, the, the reason I did that, and I'm not a weird stalker, I was 10 years old, so please understand. But, but I did that for the very sake that if I found out where she lived and I discovered she only lived a couple of streets away from me, that then when I got on my bike and my mum said, go buy some milk at the deli, I thought, all right, get on my bike, I'm going to ride past her house. And if she happens to be outside, then I get to say hello and I get to see her. Anyone been like that when you've fallen in love and had a crush that you thought, what can I do to be where she is or he is? Isn't that, anyone understand that? Yes, you've been there, Larissa? Thank you. Hopefully it was with Damien. Yes, good. Like, I've had friends who, their, their wives now used to work at Macca's and this guy would go to Macca's every day and buy burgers just hoping that she would be there. And they fell in love and it's beautiful. But the idea there is that when you know where someone you love is, you'll do whatever you can to be where they are. And that, that's what God wants for us as well. That we would be so in love with him and so, so hungry to have a great relationship with him that we would find out where he is and make every effort to be where he is. So where do we find God? Well, number one, we find God in his family. It's pretty simple. It's not complicated. God is where his children are. Where's that? In the church. Very easy. If you want to find God... You find him in his church. Now, does that just mean here in the church services? No. That means wherever his children are. So don't get worried and go, oh, Ben, you're going to tell me I have to be in church every Sunday and all of that stuff. That, as good as that is, that's not what I'm talking about. You'll find God where his people are. You see, in John 12, 20, it says a really interesting story that there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. And then they came to Philip. Now, Philip is one of, his, one of Jesus' disciples who was from Bethsaida of Galilee. And they asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So these Greek people heard about Jesus. They wanted to get to know Jesus. They wanted to meet him. Who did they go to? To his disciples, to those who had been with Jesus, to those who they knew were close to Jesus because they thought... If we're going to get to meet him, the best way to meet him is through those who are closest to him. So the principle there is very simple, is that if we want to be close to God, then we need to find people that are close to God and be with them. Because when we're with them, then we will experience God. Jesus says it like this, and he promises this, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, what does he say? 
I am there in the midst of them. What an amazing promise. If you want to experience God, if you want to know God, if you want to be where God is, then get together with other Christians and you will experience God. Because his promise is that when we gather just two or three, he will be there amongst us. How cool is that? That says, so if you want to be in God's range, find others to spend time with to be in God's, to be where God is. It even, go, it even gets better. It's like those tele sales, you know, I'm going to throw in the knives now. There's more, but wait, there's more. Because Paul says it this way in Hebrews 10.24, he says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. How cool is that? As some of you in the, are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to remember that we stay close to God by staying close to each other. We stay close to God by staying close to each other. Are there people in your life that you know you can go to at any time to be encouraged in God? That you can sit down with and talk about where your relationship with God is at? Because meeting together is for the purpose of spurring one another on. It's great to meet in a congregation like this and sing great worship and, and encourage one another and get, pray for each other. But it's even more important that it's more than that. That it, it's about building real, authentic, vulnerable, accountable relationships with one another so that we can be there for one another. That we can encourage each other. Because when we get around each other and encourage each other, we can see God manifest his life in us and his power through us. That's why it's so important that we find God in his family. You know, I had a really great experience this week. I know I'm the pastor and so I should be visiting people, but sometimes you visit people and it's a, it can be hard work and other times it can be really good. I had a great experience this week and just being honest and open. Um, but I visited a couple of people on the same day, and each time they shared their story and they shared what was going on in their life. And I walked away from that experience encouraged. They encouraged me, I think, more than I encouraged them. It was really, really amazing. But it reminded me that when we get together and spur each other on and encourage each other and tell each other where we're at with God, that we walk away going, I feel stronger. I feel closer to God because of that. And that's why it's so important that if you want to be in, in company with God, you've got to find people who know God and spend time with them. The second place we find God is in his word. Someone once said that prayer is us talking to God and reading the Bible is God talking to us fairly straightforward it's fairly simple but the the reality of it is we need to understand that the bible is everything that god is and we will never know who god truly is unless we spend time in the bible in his word because if the word is who he is then it makes sense that we get to know him when we spend time in his word 
Jesus said it like this in Matthew 4.4. 4, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the word of God is literally the fuel for our relationship with God. It fuels our relationship with God. It helps us understand who God really is. Paul says it this way in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God or the people of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It says it like this in the message. Through the word, through God's word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks that God has for us. You see, God's word is not, it's not just a textbook. It's alive. And when you read God's word and when you apply God's word, it shapes you. It's like a, a, a treadmill. It, it gives you, it exercises you, it forms you, it gets you, gets you becoming who God has created you to be. It has the power to change your life. We need to understand that the Bible is not just a book, but the Bible is literally who God is. Now, there's people here in this room that can testify to it, but there's people over hundreds of years who have lived by the Bible and can testify that it, that it does so many things for us, like it generates life, it creates faith, it produces change, it frightens the devil. You like that one? It causes miracles. People have held on to a scripture that, they, that God has given them out of the word and they've held on to it and they've said, God, I'm going to believe that to come to pass and it has and they've seen miracles and healings in their life. It heals hurts. It builds character. It transforms circumstances. It imparts joy. It overcomes adversity defeats temptation, infuses hope, releases power, cleanses our minds. Who says amen to that? Brings things into being and guarantees our future forever. When you read that list, that's like God's action plan. That's God's CV right there. That's who God is. That's what God does in our lives through his word. And that's why we need to decide and make a decision to spend time in the Word. That's why we've created the Bible reading plans that are out there in the foyer, that you can sit down regularly and read God's Word. Because as you read God's Word, it has the power to change your life, to transform where you're at, and to bring all these things into place. Where can you find God? You can find Him in the Word. The last thing I want to share with you about where we can find God is in the quiet place. The amazing truth that we find here is that God sees you as so valuable that he wants you all to himself. He wants alone time with you. We often, try to find, we often try to find and fit God into the busyness and the noisiness of life, don't we? We try to find a spot where we can fit him in because we're so busy and so, there's so much noise all around us. But the truth is, God wants to be alone with us. 
He wants to have quiet time with us. You know, this is a really significant thing because in the modern church, I feel like sometimes we've lost the art or the ability to be alone with God. We love coming together in church. We love um, going to Kurong and buying books about stuff to help us with our walk with God. And they're all good things. But the modern church, we're so resource rich. We can click on a button and listen to a sermon anywhere all over the world. You can find, and you can find your favorite preacher and just listen to them. Uh, there's so many. We can turn on the TV and Joyce Myers seems to be on any time of the day. And you can sit down and get something. And it's all good. That's good stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. But the, the truth is, when was the last time that you actually spent time alone with God? Just you and God and his word. Where he spoke into your life and spoke into a situation in your life where it brought change and transformation. That it brought life to you. That's, that's what... I would ask. You see, when my kids were young and they were mucking up or doing the wrong thing, most of the time, I wasn't a perfect parent, but most of the time I would say, come with me to your bedroom. We need to have a chat. And I would have a chat to them about their behaviour or what they were doing. And we would have a moment alone away from everywhere else so that I wouldn't embarrass them in front of everyone else. And it's, it's very similar, I guess, in spending time alone with God. Not that he always disciplines us, or, but there's times where we draw aside with him alone where he can encourage us, where he can speak into our lives, where we can get to know him more intimately and deeper, where he can address issues if there are issues. But that's the... That's the beauty of being alone with God. You see, Jesus, this is something he did when he was here on earth. In Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Luke 4.42, it says, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. Matthew 14, 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. And in Luke 6, 12, it says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus often, now this is only four scriptures I've given you, there's many more where Jesus often withdrew to a quiet place to spend time with the Father, with God the Father. Now it tells me if Jesus needed to do it, I need to do it. If Jesus needed to do it, we need to do it. Because if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. But the reality of it is we don't like to be alone, do we? We don't like to be left alone with our thoughts and our, our thinking and where we're going. Because like, often when we quieten down, all those things start flooding in and we go, oh, God, it's too much. 
But there's no better place to be alone with those sorts of thoughts than with God. Because he is the one who can bring life and clarity and peace into your situation. Because he is the Lord of peace and healing and wholeness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian who was martyred by the the Nazis, wrote this. And this is pretty challenging. It's pretty full on and confronting. But I'm going to share it because I think it's important for us to hear. He says, whoever cannot be alone should be aware of community. Such people will only do harm to themselves and to the community. Alone you stood before God when God called you. Alone you had to obey God's voice. Alone you had to take up your cross, struggle and pray, and alone you will die and give an account to God. You cannot avoid yourself, for it is precisely who God who it is precisely God who has called you out. If you do not want to be alone, you are rejecting Christ's call to you. And you can have no part in the community of those who are called. You cannot avoid yourself. It is, for it is precisely God who has called you out. Church, God is calling us. God is calling us back to spending time with him alone. It might sound scary, but it's in that quiet place you can hear his voice and he can bring clarity to your life. It's a really powerful story in 1 Kings 19. I'm not going to go into it tonight, but it's a story of Elijah the prophet. And uh, in that story, Elijah has just uh, is being chased by Queen Jezebel and she wants to kill him and he's running for his life. And he runs for 40 days and 40 nights trying to get away from her army that are trying to kill him. And God finally brings him to a cave. And in that cave he goes, God, help me. God, save me. God, I I don't know what to do next. They're trying to kill me. I don't know where I'm going to go. He literally says, God, I'm, I'm probably the only righteous person left in all of Israel. If you don't help me, I'm lost. And... What happens at that next moment is there's, a, there's an earthquake. And he goes, God, is that you? And there's no response. And then there's a mighty rushing wind, it says. And he goes, that must be God. God, is, are you there? God, what do, what do I do? And there's no response. And then there's a fire. And I don't know if you know Jewish history, but God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. So he probably thought, ah, fire, God's going to speak to me through the fire. And nothing happened. He heard nothing. And then as he's sitting there quietly, there's a still, small voice that whispers. And he has to incline his ear to that still, small voice. And God tells him that he's with him. And God tells him what to do next. But he had to quieten everything else down and listen for the still, small voice. God is calling us, church, to spending time alone with him. He's calling us 
to the place where he is. He's calling us to his word. He's calling us to his family. He's calling us to be with him. But to do that, the challenge for us and what the Bible says is that we need to make the one thing the most important thing. The one thing is that we do everything in our power to draw close to him. The one thing is we make sacrifices and we make the objective to be close to God. The Bible talks about the one thing in Psalm 27.4 where David says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. You see, in David's time, the only place they knew God's presence was, was in the temple. Now, because of what Jesus has done, God is available to all of us. Everywhere and any time, he is there for us. But in David's time, the only place he could find God was in the temple. And so he says, the one thing I have desired is that I want to spend my whole life in the temple. Close to God, close to where God is. Church, that's the one thing God is calling us to. That we would say, God, I want to be close to you. I want to be near to you. It says it in, in the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10. We know the story, Jesus visits Mary and Martha's house. And Martha is busy preparing dinner for all the guests. And she can't find Mary because Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And she comes to Jesus and said, tell my sister to help me, Jesus. And Jesus says these powerful words. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What is the one thing? That she would sit at Jesus' feet and hear from him. That she would draw close to him put aside all the other stuff, all the distractions and the worries of trying to feed lots of people, saying, Jesus is here. I, I put aside everything else to be close to Jesus. Church, will we commit ourselves to the one thing, the one thing to be close to Him no matter what? Tonight we sang it in the song that the band led before that we would be close to Him, to just be in His presence. Church, I believe God is calling us back, calling us back to spending time with each other so we can find Him in each other, calling us back to spending time in His Word so we can find Him in His Word, but most significantly calling us back to spending time alone with Him where we can hear his voice, that still small voice that will bring peace and clarity and guidance and healing and wholeness, that voice that will complete us when all the worries of life are swirling around us, that when we hear that voice, we know it's going to be all right. God's with me. I can do this. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. I can do it.
To put it simply, God values you so much, He wants you all to Himself. Will we commit ourselves totally to Him? To draw near to Him, to commit to being within range, just like the Wi-Fi. I don't know where you're, what range you are in with God at the moment. Maybe you feel like you're, He's a million miles away. Well, right today, it only takes one step towards Him to change that. To say, God, I make you my one thing. The one thing I want above everything else. I just want you to bow your heads in prayer. And I'm just going to ask Julie to sing this song through once. I want you to consider the words. I want you to consider what I've shared. And consider, will you make a fresh commitment to make God your one thing?